Hey, this is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and this is Rangers Nation Podcast. This is Kennedy Landry, Rangers beat reporter for MLB.com, and this is the Rangers Nation Podcast. One ball, two strikes, two outs. Six to one, the Rangers lead in the top of the ninth. Feliz the high set. Here comes the pitch. Breaking ball, strike three, call! The Rangers are going to the World Series! In the air, shallow right. The Texas Rangers win the pennant, second consecutive year. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Welcome to Rangers Nation Podcast, talking all things Texas Rangers. Rangers Nation Podcast is a part of Dallas Sports Nation, providing coverage of all your DFW sports teams. Now, here's your host, Texas Rangers blogger, the Recliner Nerd. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Rangers Nation Podcast. I'm your host, the Recliner Nerd, and today's episode is T.R. Sullivan, Part 2. Now, we know T.R. come on last year when we were all during COVID, and we did a long interview with T.R. about baseball, how he got into it, his life growing up, going to the University of San Francisco, covering the beat for so long. But today we're going to do more Q&A about the Rangers now that he's retired um, and he's joining us. we got a few Ranger fans who wanted to ask TR some questions, and they're going to be with us. Joining us is going to be Eric Sorrento, and right now we got Logan Lockhart, and they're going to be joining us here in just a second. But first, let's welcome him in. TR, how are you doing, sir? Hi, gang. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, so uh, does – are you gardening now? What are you doing? Are you collecting stamps? What are you doing in retirement? Well, I, I unfortunately, I'm I'm taking care of some. Um, I'm in good health, but I'm taking care of some uh, some health related matters, especially in, in the uh, in the dental department. So I'm um, trying to get trying to get some things taken care of that should have been taken care of a long time ago. So tonight's tonight's social message is take care of your teeth and don't do what I did. So um, that's tonight's. Social message: Take care of your teeth, otherwise you're going to end up like me right now. So, but otherwise we're we're doing good. So, what about Mrs. Sullivan? Does she have you doing stuff now that you're home more, at least half the year? Uh, we're having a good time. We're 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 all looking like you guys. We're all looking forward to the pandemic coming to an end, and we can get out and get around and go out to dinner and you know go to the. I mean, we like going to the Dallas Symphony and we like going to the movies and you know we like getting out and we haven't been able to do that so. Um, retirement's off to a little bit of a slow start, but otherwise we're doing good. So, you know, you've been, you were a beat reporter for 30 years for covering the Rangers. You had a lot of travel uh, uh, half the year. Do you plan when this is over? Do you and uh, the wife plan on doing some traveling or did y'all do that during the off season? You probably had miles. I know I used to collect miles and do all of that. Do y'all, are you ready? Do y'all going to start traveling more than you did before? We don't know. We take, we will just take it as, as it goes, but I'll tell you right now, we can go anywhere in the world right now and stay for a week um for free i mean we i got the miles uh, saved up and i've got the uh, marriott points saved up so yeah we're we're ready to go when you I mean like i told i tell people you know it's great that we got all those things but you know what are you gonna do fly to new york sit in a hotel and watch tv i mean you can't go anywhere yeah, I mean, you can't. Every, everything's shut down so i mean right now we're just we're like everybody else you know we're we're just kind of waiting it out I, oh i know and back when i used to travel i collected all those miles too in the marriott points and we 
I took family one time. We all went up to watch the Rangers play in Boston, and everything was on me. I had the hotel, the plane, the flights. When you're traveling a lot, that's used to be. And I know that for you guys, y'all traveled more than I did. Y'all were, y'all spent a lot of time on the road. Okay, before we get going with uh, with Eric and Logan, I know they want to ask a couple questions. I put it out there for a couple other people if they wanted to ask. And the first one was the one that I think a lot of people wanted to ask. And Joe Siegler, you know Joe, that does all. He knows all the. All the numbers of every player that ever played, and we'll get Joe on here. He wanted to know, have you been able to turn it off after all these years of doing the gig? Is your brain on autopilot in so far as forming opinions, stories, whatnot? Um, I wouldn't say I've shut it off completely. I mean, you know, it's tough right now. I mean, you know, it's, it's so different. I mean, I'm following Jeff Wilson, and I'm following my replacement, Kennedy Landry, a young lady from New Orleans who everybody should um, – follow i think she's gonna be really really good no i'm, I'm still following it. i'm still on the rangers uh, mailing list um you know i'm not sweating it i mean the day they the day the day they traded elvis andrus that was a saturday my son and i were out hiking on um lake ray roberts and you know i heard about it and said oh, okay let somebody else take care of it <laughs> just kept on hiking through the woods so um you know, I'm still following it. I'd like to follow, you know, I'm retired now. I'd like to, you know, just watch it as a fan. I mean, I'm looking forward to sitting on my back porch and listen to Eric Nadell one night. I haven't, I don't think John, I've listened to a game on radio from start to finish since I was in college. I'm kind of, that's kind of one of the things I want to do is I want to listen to a game with Eric and Matt from start to finish out on, out on the uh, back porch. I think that would be really cool. Oh man. I, I can't imagine. Well, let's go to one of you guys, Eric or Logan. Do any of you have a question? You do? Okay. Eric, can just, Eric just uh, unmute yourself there? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. TR, thanks for joining us, man. Um, I have a <clears throat> kind of a big picture question. I, I you know, you, you take a look at what a lot of the the prominent teams around the league are doing, just kind of stacking their their pitching rotations. I think of the Dodgers and what the, the Padres are doing and um, what the White Sox are doing too. Um, then of course I look at our, our hometown squad here and, you know, they're, uh, you know, I follow the, the farm pretty, pretty closely, not as closely as probably you or John or some of the others, but, you know, I, you know, I think back to when we contended in 2010, 2011, especially, you know, a lot of those guys came up and you had a lot of the, you know, guys in the, in the order doing damage. Um, these teams, the Padres, the Dodgers, et cetera, are just stacking the, their rotations. They have, you know, big money and, and all of that too. But how do you think that, What's the, the the best way you think the Rangers can get back to contention again? Um, Eric, um, I think, you know, I covered the Rangers for 32 years and I've, I've known them ever since, you know, they came to Arlington. I think this is the best young pitching they've had in their farm system, maybe ever. I mean, top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's, it's not here. It's not here today. It's not going to be here this year. Um, there's some of it's going to be here. Kyle Cody's going to be here this year. You know, Benjamin, Joe Palumbo. There's going to be some guys here, but I think you look down. You got Hans Kraus. You got, um, you know, um, Cole Wynn, uh, Alex Spees. I mean, I can go on and on. I know the kid. They really like the kid from um, the White Sox. They got in the uh, um, Dunning. Yeah, Dunning in the uh, uh, Lance Lynn trade. They got a lot of young pitching and it's, and it's, and it's great to see. They got a lot of work. They got a lot of work, not only to de develop it, but a lot of like Hans Kraus got shut down last year. He didn't even play in, um, up here in, uh, in, uh, Arlington at the alternate side, you know, 
Colwyn got up there a little bit. You know, a lot of these guys have been through arm injuries, you know, a lot of Tommy John injuries. They got a lot of work at sorting through this out. You know, um, Brock Burke, another guy they got to they got to kind of work through. So it's going to take the next two or three years is going to be immensely critical for the Rangers to make sure that they don't have any missteps in the development of this young pitching. But if they do it right, if they do it right with these guys, I think in two, three years, this team could be really, really loaded with some of the best young pitching I think this franchise has ever had. I mean, you go back to 2010, 2011, those rotations were kind of, you know, you had Derek Holland from the system, Matt Harrison by trade. C.J. Wilson was a unique story. Cole, uh, Colby came from Japan. Um, we know about Alexia Gondo getting um, that was a, that was another. I mean, it was just so amazing how they, they put that rotation together. But this rotation is all being brought up from the farm system. It's being developed, and and, and we'll just see how, if they can if they can pull it off with about five or six guys. And if they do it right, I'm telling you, this this team could be really good. Yeah, I, I think the uh, I think the have no not having minor leagues last year is what really really set it back. You've got so many, like he said, he, you've got Crowns, uh, Kraus, Wynn, all of those guys that are probably set to really, this is an important year for them. Not getting to pitch last year at all. This is a big year for them to come in. Then you got the kids coming back from injury, Mason Englert, Owen, those guys that are also that were that, that one year they came in. But TR's right. I mean, you, you watch you, every night you should go to MILB.com and check the box scores from Hickory down east. Um, and Frisco and and see the arms and what they're doing. Can't look at at, at, at uh, whether they're winning or losing. It's all ERA. It's all you know. You gotta you gotta be analytical when you're looking at that. But um, it's a it's a big year for those kids, John. But it's also a big year for the Rangers uh, player development staff from Mike yep. Daly on down. I mean, I mean these guys got to get it right. I mean they're they're in charge. You know they got the they're in charge of the crown jewels. They they got to guard the crown jewels. They got to do it right. I mean. These kids obviously are chopping at the bed. You give them the ball, they're going to go out there and throw 200 pitches a night if you let them, which you can't do. Right. So it's going to be up to the Rangers to do it right. It's a big year for the kids, but it's a big year for the farm player development people to get it right. And I'm going to say that 100 times either tonight or all year long, all year long no matter what venue I'm at. It's a big year for them to get this thing right. Yep. Logan, you got a question? What do you got? Logan, this is Logan Lockhart. Yeah, hey TR, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's Hello, Logan. a lot of fun for you to for you to be here. I want to stay on the theme of pitching and I'm looking around the league and I'm seeing teams going, we're gonna have six-man rotations and we're gonna do something that we've never seen before. I'm calling this year almost like a hangover year. Last year wasn't normal, it, it, and we haven't gone back to normalcy yet. So teams have to adjust still, and we're not back to normal times. How do you think the Rangers would go about that if the idea came out that let's go six men this year? You know, I, I love that term. This is a hangover year. I think that's a great term because there's still that a is. lot of, or you could say it's a fallout year. A lot of teams are going to deal with a fallout. And I don't know if it's going to be a six man rotation, but it basically, you, you know, let me give you an example. Kyle Cody. I love Kyle Cody. Great kid, great arm, great makeup. This guy's got a chance to be, uh, top of the rotation guy. Okay. So, but, but, you know, he's like what, 22 innings last year. He's coming off Tommy John, very limited time the last two or three years. So they've got to go, they got to be smart about it. 
Yep. And they got it and they and they have to revisit it every day. Okay, he's done this. He's he's made two starts for us. Where is he? You know, he's made two relief appearances. He's he's done this, he's done that. Does he need to go to um Round Rock? Does he need to go to Frisco? Does he need to stay in our rotation? Do we need to shut him down? A lot of pitches are gonna be like that. You know, Hans Kraus, I don't think he's been hurt that seriously, but he didn't pitch last year. So basically, Logan, what they're going to have to do is I don't think they're going to have a set plan. I think what they have to do is be smart about each and every pitcher and take them every day, sit down and talk about every pitcher every day and say, where are we at with this guy? You know, here's the plan, but do we need to veer away from the plan? I mean, we're going to have they say, okay, we got Kyle Cody for going to be in the rotation for 10 starts. Well, after five starts, where is he? You know, does he have a seven and a half ERA? No, 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 let's get him out of there. Or he has 1.4 ERA, but he's, you know, he's thrown, you know, averaging 90 pitches a night. I mean, do we need to get him out of there? So I think that's good. I think that's going to be a day-to-day process all year long for a great term hangover year. Guys, you're you're actually getting to see something that's unique here. In fact, that I've had, TR, it's it's great to see the knowledge of TR because I've actually this year, unlike TR, I've been in on the Zoom calls and everything, and everything he just described is what John Daniel and Chris Woodward have been telling us. We don't have a set plan yet. Is it a five-man rotation? I don't know. Is it a six-man? I don't know. Uh, Ari Haras coming over from Japan. He's used to five full days of rest before going on the sixth day. So it's all going to be played by ear. They've talked piggyback. They've talked doing the opener. That was something they've played with before. Joe Palumbo was somebody that they saw as a starter. He only threw a little bit last year before he had the illness. He's back. So you can't just bring him out and let him go 90 pitches a night. They've got – that's why the depth was so important. The signing of uh, the uh, uh, Ortiz that used to be their first-round draft pick that they brought in from the Oreos uh, on a minor league deal. They're, look, they're trying to stack it up. Everybody from AAA to the major leagues will – if they are performing, I, I bet they see time this year just because – you cannot count on anybody. The only guy that's pitched close to 200 innings was Arihara over in Japan. Besides that, nobody had more. Lance Lynn led this team last year with like 88 innings or something like that. So they could probably they could probably get 200 out of Kyle Gibson, and and I don't, I don't know about Jordan Lyles, but you know 150 out of George, Jordan Lyles would be good. But um, yeah, that's one thing these guys got to do is not only do you need um, guys to pitch well, but just to pick up innings so you don't have to burn out these kids. You know they need innings eaters. You know, that's a big term that we've always heard of about in baseball, but I think it's, I think it's going to be even bigger this year for the Rangers, just guys who can get them through games so that, you know, they don't, they don't have to wear these kids out, you know, night after night after night. And I think Jordan Lyles is going to be big in that. I think the guy from Japan is, um, I think obviously Kyle Gibson is, you know, you know, uh, Colby Allard, I think could, could really help this uh, rotation if he can, if he can give them some innings. You know, there are some guys who, who probably, you know, I think Wes Benjamin has some innings in him. He hasn't been shut down like some of the other guys are. Yeah. You know, if those guys can, you know, you know pitch, like I said, innings and keep Kyle Cody from having to pitch more. I, I like to see Kyle Cody. If he, Kyle Cody got up to maybe 100 innings, that might be pushing a little bit. But if he got up to 100 innings, that would be great. Same, same way with some of these other kids. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Eric, I know you have a question coming up. Let me ask one from somebody that, that had a question for him. Dan Runnels wanted to ask this. What can we realistically expect from Joey Gallo this year? Will he be on the roster at the end of the year? Um, yeah, I think he'll be on the roster at the end of the year unless they just fall off the table. But, um, God, you know, 
I think Joey, yes, Joey will be here all year. And I think hopefully you'll see something, what happened in 2019. The biggest problem with Joey Gallo, last year he had no protection, no protection at all. There's nobody around him. You know, they thought Todd Frazier would be there. You know, they thought, um, you know, they just thought they'd have more protection behind the guy. Oh, Danny Santana, I was trying to think of, drew a blank there, you know, Willie Calhoun. They thought Guzman would be better. You know, they was hoping Todd Frazier would be good. And, he, yeah. and, and Joey had no protection at all, nobody around him in the lineup. And I think that really, really, really hurt him. And hopefully this year, um, you know, we got some, you know, David Dahl and you know, Nate Lowe. And, you know, but the big guy, if Chris Davis can come up here, and, you know, it's a long shot. I mean, Chris Davis used to be great. You know, he's fallen off. I don't know what they're going to get out of him. If, you know, if Chris Davis could come around and, and hit like he did, or at least close to what he did the last few years or a few years ago with Oakland, you know, I don't know if he's going to hit 45 home runs, but I mean, if, if Chris Davis can give Joey Gallo some protection, that's what he really, really needs. And that's what he really, really missed last year with just guys hitting around him. He was just like, you know, he was, he was sticking out in the middle of that whole lineup, like with an X on his back. I mean, nobody was going to give Joey Gallo a pitch to hit. Not when you, yeah. you know, the next guy up was either, you know, nothing against these guys, but Isaiah or Kiner Falafa or Nick Solak or some rookie, you know, you got rookies hitting behind these guys and, yeah. you know, certain apostle and guys like that. I mean, nobody's going to throw Joey Gallo a strike in, the, in that kind of a lineup. Yeah. I, th I think he felt like he had to do too much. And he even admitted guys um, when they first came out they were, they, they did a thing where they came out and took some batting practice before the field was even finished and the ball didn't carry like it did at the old stadium. And Joey admitted it. He said, Hey, it got in my head a little bit. And then you're the only guy in the lineup that they really fear. Like, like uh, TR just said, he, he didn't see anything, but he, then he started seeing the playoffs and the other people knocking the ball out of the park. And he admitted, I think it kind of dawned on him. He still ended up with 10 home runs last year. He's like, you know what? I'm a big guy. If I barrel it up, it's going to travel. I mean, I just got to get that out of my head. Eric, did you have something you wanted to ask? Yeah, John, I, I appreciate it. And TR kind of going back to your, um, you know, we talked about some of the pitchers. I know, you know, a lot of the, the, you know, pitchers on the big league roster, I was looking it over earlier today. They're, you know, a lot of them are like two-year deals, you know, something like that. And then you look at guys like Kraus and Wynn, you know, that, that timing might potentially line up um but maybe it puts a little bit of pressure on Krause and you win as well but which which pitcher that that you've seen are you um I know Jamie Newberg at the athletic is like super high on Ricky Venasco I haven't really seen a lot from from him but is there one guy that you just are uber excited about in the in the minors if you had to pick well you know I don't see those guys I, I I'm not gonna pretend to be a minor league expert um I I am gonna pretend to be a reporter I did talk to I do talk to a lot of people I do ask you know, guys, you know, who do you like in the minors? Who's coming on? Who's who's not coming on? And I think Jamie um, obviously talks to a lot of the same people too. Jamie does his homework. You know, he's very good at what he does. And I think he, uh, we all heard that Vanesco, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that they were really starting to like, really starting to come on. Um, I know a couple of years ago, not uh, in fall uh, instructional league, not this past September, but the year before, Vanesco and uh, Alex Spees and Kyle Cody had really, really impressed people. It really caught people's eye, and, and people were really getting excited about those young men. And, um, you know, Vanesco ended up, I guess he had Tommy John surgery, which is, I guess that's, you know, that's a huge blow for him. But, um, you know, I know Hans Kraus used to be everybody's favorite pitcher. He's kind of fallen off. I know people love 
Cohen. You know, I still like Joe Palumbo. I don't know. I'm, I'm still a big Joe Palumbo fan. And, you know, that guy, you know, he, between him and, him and Willie Calhoun, the next break they get is going to be um, the first one. Those two guys, you know, I don't know if they're going to be great players. You know, they might be bust. I don't know. But those two guys have been through some incredible bad luck. And, Pal- and we all talk about Willie, who's a great kid. We, we all know what he's been through. But Palumbo just, it's unbelievable, you know. You know, he's had some arm injuries, and he had a blister, and he had a, I guess, a leg injury. And then this year or last year, he had the, um, the, the the digestive stuff, the same the the also colitis, yeah, also colitis or something. Yeah, like same that. thing Jake Diekman had. I mean, I mean that poor kid is just. I really like Joe Palumbo, and I'm hoping that somehow, some way, his luck turns around, and he stays on the mound and shows what he can do because I really like I really like the talent. Yeah, if you go back and look at if you go into milb.com, if you really look at stuff like that, I, I'm I'm kind of your poor man's Jamie. Jamie is by far he's he's my hero. He he knows it all, but I, I was kind of like Jamie, and I, I do follow a lot of the minor league stuff. Palumbo was a strikeout whiz. I mean, you go look back at his innings pitched and how many he missed bats. I mean, he did miss bats. So and that you know he that blister was crazy and all of that. His problem is he hadn't pitched enough. I mean, I think they see him as a rotation guy. He's got a pretty good curveball. The problem is, if when well, you don't have enough innings, uh, they've talked about that he might be a bullpen guy, and and that's really some place that 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 he might be. Vanasco, yeah, Vanasco, um, he's going to be out all year. He uh, was in the alternative site last year, really looking impressive. Uh, he's a good kid. I've talked, I've had him on the show. Um, and he had uh, UCL. Uh, he had the uh, the Ulcer, you know, the the Tommy John surgery. Um, he, so he'll miss all of this year. He's already in the middle of his rehab now. So, but they, he was touching 97, 98. Um, they thought this could be a potential ace. And, and Cody came up. I've said that. Just what TR said, I, I feel proud of myself now. I looked at Cody last year and thought, this guy's a potential one or two if he continues to look like that. I mean, he looks like he's, he looks like he's under control. He throws the ball hard. It moves more than anything. He can throw it hard. But if you don't have it moving and you have other pitches. So, um we got Logan you wanted to ask something real quick yeah I, I found it interesting with um the whole idea of Chris Davis being that protector for for Joey Gallo in the lineup but and I've heard John talk about this before but what do you have on a ceiling on on Ronald Guzman um you know looking at his age and looking at what he just did in winter ball but w- when this season gets undergoing um if you were to have expectations what would you think would fair ones really be? I, I, I love Ronald Guzman he's a great kid he's He's been great to me. Uh, he's just got a lot of moving parts in that swing. I mean, that's the, Logan. That's the bottom line. I mean, you look at that swing, and it just, it just, you can get out of whack real quick. It's like a, you know, like one of those starting pitchers who do those double pump, those old time 1930s starting pitchers. You remember how they used to double pump and all that stuff like that? <laughs> throw the ball. You know, you look at Ronald Guzman, and it's just a, you know, it's just a, a lot of moving parts. It's a big swing. Um, it, it can get out of whack too quickly. I mean, you know, Nomar Mazar, you can say what you want about Nomar, but he had a very compact swing. And even Rugnet Odor is the same thing and, and and Gallo as well. But if you just if you just sit there and watch him in a batting cage side by side, um, you can just tell Ronald Guzman just that's the biggest thing about him. I mean, he's got talent, he's got power, um, he's got an idea of what to do. Um but I think there's just there's just so many moving parts that it's easy to get that swing out of whack. Yeah, his winter ball numbers were crazy. And we talked to to Ronald yesterday. He said he changed his whole swing. And if you saw what he did, he won the MVP of the Dominican League. 
He hit uh, he had a 973 OPS and he hit 360. Um, it, it presents a nice problem to have coming into spring training in the fact that you've got Nate Lowe to basically take over first base. But Guzman, if he continues what he did coming in, now you got to remember, uh, I always compare him to Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz was 28 years old before he figured things out. In fact, there was a funny story about it yesterday. Uh, John Daniels was on. We're talking to John Daniel. When, and they, someone brought up the comparison. It's actually, actually Jeff Wilson who brought it up about, you know, you hate to let, uh, you hate to let Guzman go. He's only 26. Um, because what if he's figured it out after what he did in the winter? And <laughs> uh, John Daniels talking about 2008 when it looked like Nelson Cruz wasn't going to make the team again. So he was getting ready. And they were going to have to DFA him. That's what they'll have to do with Guzman. If he doesn't make the team, he's got to clear waivers. He can't just go to AAA. Um, so he, uh, they, 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 they said they got around the room. They had Washington in there. They, they, everybody was in the room. They said, you know, he throws so hard. Maybe there's a way to keep him. Have, have we ever thought about pitching him, letting him pitch? <laughs> and Washington goes, I'm not asked to be a pitch. And so did, uh, Gary Pettis said, well, I'm not going to ask him either. So John, uh, JD, uh, John Daniel said, yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll do it. It's my job. So he sat him down. He said, Hey, um, have you ever thought about – you throw so hard. Have you ever thought about pitching? Don't look like you're going to make the team. And he looked at him and he said, absolutely not. And so he cleared waivers, luckily for the Rangers, because by he won MVP of the Pacific Coast League that year, came up in September, and from there, that's where he went. And you hate to see Guzman – you hate to DFA Guzman and then see him go somewhere else. Baltimore needs a first baseman with Mancini hurt um, somewhere there and then turn into – look, is he going to be Nelson Cruz? I don't know. But let's be honest. Um, but if he turns into anything that's better than Nate Lowe, you're going to second-guess yourself. That, that's what I see. Um, let's go to uh, Randy Russell had a question over here. He said, given the poor track record in the draft by his predecessor, has Chris Young offered any insight on how he plans to pursue drafting and developing within? You may not know this one. Have you talked to Chris Young at all, TR? No, I'm retired. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's – you know, when you say this guy was a bad draft pick, because look, he never got it. Like Luis Ortiz was their um, number one first round pick, and he hasn't gotten to the big leagues. Uh, you know, he hasn't done very well. Or Chi Chi Gonzalez didn't do very well, or this guy didn't do very well. And you say, well, you know, the scouting director screwed it up, made a bad pick. Okay, well, it's easy to say, but I don't always believe that. And that's what we talked about earlier. You know, a lot of times these guys get messed up in the minor leagues. A lot of times the guys in the minor leagues mess players up. And I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody in particular, but, you know, you get these young, talented kids from the scouting director and from the scouts and the amateur scouts give you this talent. Now it's up to the farm system to get it to the big leagues, okay? Yeah. Once Kip Fag makes that draft pick and signs the player and sends him off to Arizona, Kip Fag's out of the picture. He's out of the loop. Yep. So he could, you know, you can, you know, it's an old thing. And I've said this a hundred times. Um, you know, the Rangers drafted Barry Zito in the third round of his sophomore year. And they didn't sign him. He ended up going to um, USC, had a great year. And then the um, A's drafted him in the first round. He ended up being a Cy Young Award winner. And you guys know all that. You know about Barry Zito. Right. So everybody says, well, the Rangers let Barry Zito get away. I say, well, that's fine. But if they sign him, and they're very close to signing him, you know, does that mean that Barry Zito would have won a Cy Young for the Rangers? I mean, does that mean the Rangers would have developed that guy? 
Yeah. You know, I don't know. Oakland has a better rec track record back then than this is going back 20 years. Yeah. Well, but the A's had a better track record back then in developing pitching. So, you know, when you ask me what Chris Young is going to do, well, I think the first thing Chris Young hopefully is going to do is just have a better picture of how to develop some of this young pitching. And I don't think Chris Young is going to come in here with a lot of ideas and a lot of theories and a lot of plans, but I think Chris Young is going to come in here and ask a lot of questions based on his experience and his track record of being around the league. And, you know, he, he uh, played for Bud Black in uh, San Diego and Ned Yost in Kansas City. So he's been around a lot of smart baseball people. And, you know, I, I can see Chris Young getting into a, a staff meeting in um, Surprise, Arizona, and, and some of, the, some of these um, – Somebody saying, yeah, we need to do this with Hans Kraus. And I can see Chris Young saying, uh, no, wait a minute. Let's talk about this some more because I don't think we're doing the right thing by this young man. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great point. And we Chris was on, too. And we, we've heard him talk. What What's unfair to uh, John Daniel isn't a scout. Uh, John Daniel listens to Kip Thag and the scouts and all of them. They bring him who they think that that they should pick at that pick. Um, you know, has he laid eyes on him? Yeah, he does go out and lay eyes on people. He said it before, but then again, like you were, your, your Barry Zito comparison is, is really good because look at someone like Danny Santana who failed with two teams before the Rangers brought him in on the minor league deal. And he seemed to have figured it out. I mean, look, just because he, he's good with you, you know, you can't be sitting over there in Milwaukee or Atlanta going, well, we missed out on Santana. Look at him. We didn't know what we were doing. And sometimes it's just when they figure it out or he like, TR said it's it's development coming up into the minor leagues that and, and how they handle it. Chris Young is going to be a good being a former pitcher. That's that's a guy that needs to be in the room. And it sounds like him and John are going to be partners in this thing. And they're going to John's wanting to give a lot of the stuff over to him. But he you don't if you think he's not going to be going to his boss and going, here's what I've got on the table. What do you think? Um, that's not the way it works. I mean, he's not going to be unilaterally making moves. He's going to know what's going on with J.D. Uh, with John Daniel for sure. Um, did, Logan, did you have another one or? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll say what, what I get from that is uh, it's a waiting game, right? And uh, that's what a lot of baseball is. I, I just had um, a question for you, TR, general question, just about uh, covering a team. I was told once that the worst kind of team to cover is one that's just under 500, mediocre. And in baseball, I'm talking about a team that's 70, 75 games win. Um, and the best kind of teams to cover are ones that are either really good or really bad. But how do you find things to write about in the dog days of August? What's the approach for a team that's really middle of the road or that's really cool. not cutting it? Nothing exciting going on. And um, the fan base is, is tuned out. That's got to be tough, eh? That's a good question. Well, uh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, number one, I don't care how bad your team is, how good your team is, or what their record is. If there's news going on, you got to write it, and the fans will read it. Okay, you know, you know. Right before I retired, the Rangers traded for Nate Lowe, um, and I got I get tra what we call traffic reports, uh, how many clicks I got or whatever like that. I got. I got 110,000 clicks on my uh, Nate Lowe story. Uh, and that's a huge amount. That's a huge, huge amount. That's, yeah, that's a lot. It's way over the top. And um, so, Logan, that tells you right there, you go looking for news. The biggest thing you can do is write news. I mean, you try to find human interest stories. 
and you try to find um, interesting angles and you try to be creative and you try to, you know, find some good stories. But um, the bottom line is you got to find, you got to find the news because there's always news going on. There's always news going on. I'll tell you a funny story since uh, Eric's back and uh, he, he lives up in Kansas city. Here's a funny story. In 2000, the ranges were terrible. They were really bad. And it was August and um, they were in, um, they were in, headed for last place. And it was a Saturday. I was working for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. It was a Saturday night game in Kansas city. And if you know anything about the newspaper business, you know, you have to have all, all your stuff in on for the Sunday paper on Friday. So really, Saturday is your slow day. So I'm sitting there on a Saturday night in Kansas City. The team's out of contention. It, it's August. It's a bad game. And about the middle of the fifth inning, I'm falling asleep in the press box. I'm literally falling asleep. I am really, I've, I've worked my rear end off. I've been on a long road trip. I'm ready to fall off, fall to sleep. So I get up and I walk out of the press box and I go for a walk and I, and I know, um, Eric, I don't know if you've been to Kansas City, Logan, but Eric obviously has. Uh, back then, the Rangers, um, this is before the renovations. This is back in 2000, Eric. Um, the Rangers' bullpen was out in deep left field, beyond the left field fence. So I just walked around there just to try to get my some air and try to clear my head. So I get out to, I get out to the left field bullpen area, and they're hauling fans away in handcuffs. They were getting into it with the Rangers bullpen, yelling at them and everything like that, and blah blah blah. And they they were they had two guys that they were taking to the hoose cow. So I was like wondering what the heck was going on. So I go down after the game and I talked to John Wetland and I talked to Jeff Zimmerman, and they told me, yeah, the fans were going nuts there. They were yelling at us, and we got in a fight, blah blah blah, and everything like that. So so the poor guy from the Dallas Morning News, Jerry Fairley, God rest his soul, had no idea what I was doing. He had no idea why he even left the press box. Probably thought I went to drink beer, but um, <laughs> which I can't do during a game. But anyway, I went so I wrote this big story about how there's a big fight between the Rangers bullpen and the and the fans outside in in the stands. And everybody's wanting everybody's wanting, Jerry, how did you know about that? How did you figure that out? I never told anybody until now. It was basically I was falling asleep in the press box and needed to go for a walk just to wake up. <laughs> that you know that when we did our first one tr those are my favorite stories the stories you tell from all your different games you covered <laughs> and all of that those are the funnest ones to listen to but we um tonight you know if you think of them feel free to bring them up but i wanted to ask you um are you going to attend any games this year do you think you'll go out to arlington at all yeah absolutely i I'm, i probably won't go out on opening day you know i gotta like i said i have a, a young lady who's replaced me kennedy landry I'm really excited about her. I think she's going to be really, really good. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be out here looking over her shoulder every night. Um, you know, I'm going to let her, you know, do her job without me being around. But, yeah, I'm going to go to the ballpark. I'm definitely going to go to the ballpark. John Blake said, yeah, there'll be plenty of room out there. So I will be out there, maybe not on opening day, but I'm going to be out there. You know, I don't know how, I don't know how much, but I'm definitely going out there. Are you going to sit out in the stands or are you going to come up to the press box? Oh, no. Well, during the pandemic, I'll be in the press box. I mean – yeah, you know, we'll we'll see what happens when everything's back to normal. But uh, no, right now, I, I, they would want me to just stay in the press box. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, uh, now you're not there this year. Obviously, I'm not going back this year either, just because they're they're not really allowing us to have access for spring training. But um, so, do you plan in the future when this opens up, will you go out to spring training again? And and I know it's fun. Booties Tuesday night, booties uh, trivia night, right? 
Well, I'm going to Arizona because I got a lot of friends out there. I, I know a lot of people out there, both in Surprise and Phoenix. And yeah, I'm going to go to Arizona. Not this year, um, obviously, but yeah, I'll definitely go back to spring training um, just to see a lot of friends at least one more time. I, I mean, I have for Phoenix, Arizona, I mean, I have a lot of people who've retired there, who've ended up working there. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, we were there. We were there for six weeks every year. So um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good people. I'd like to just say hi to one more time. Cause you know, I, you know, this whole retirement thing came up out of, out of the blue in um, December. I wasn't really expecting to do it, but you know, things worked out well for me and we did it. Guys, do you got anything? I still got plenty of questions. So just, just raise your hand. Let's go to uh, what, uh, are there any spring training battles that intrigue you? I know I've got my own, but do you have any that are intriguing to you? Well, you know, Willie, you know, obviously the Guzman, Nate Lowe thing, and, you know, Solak in third base with Odor. It's not really, it's not really a battle this year, John. If you look at it, it's more as how are these things going to fit? How's everybody's going to, how is everybody going to fit on this team? Yeah. I know everybody's talked about, well, will Guzman make the team or he's out of options, you know? You know, where if David Dowell's playing in left field and Leotis in center field, and that means Chris Davis has to DH. What does it, what does that mean for Willie? You know, is Solak gonna play second base? Is he gonna make the is he gonna play at second base or or is that not gonna work out? So it's it, it's not there's a lot of moving parts that are really intriguing about this team. You know, Tejada, you know, are, are you gonna put him out there? Are you gonna put him in the minor leagues? You know. You don't want him to be a utility guy, but he could be a good utility guy. You know, obviously you want to see if uh, Isaiah can play shortstop. I mean, he showed he could play shortstop, but, um, you know, doing it day in, day out for a full season, that's that's going to be kind of interesting. And like we've, we've already talked about with uh, Logan and Eric, you know, fitting all these pitchers and where how much workload they're going to have and how they're going to utilize all these pitches is, is another thing that's going to be very intriguing so it's not not necessarily the position battles but how they're going to handle all the different moving parts yeah it's 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 hard to wrap around it we we did i did with uh, uh chris uh halleck and uh alex came on the other night we did a way too early roster prediction all of us had different – I mean, there's no way to know right now. So we called it the way too early. We haven't even played a game yet in spring training. God, they got so many parts, TR, that you can't figure out where they're going to go with it. The most intriguing to me, there's there's one name that I'm watching, and it's Andy Ibanez. If y'all don't know who he is, he's a, been in the Rangers system. He's, he Last time he played was 2019 in AAA, who put up some crazy numbers. Look, at third base, you got Culberson, you got Holt that they brought in here to maybe everyone says it's just to fill in until Young can get up here, Josh Young. But I'll tell you right now, Ibanez plays multiple positions. He hit 300, he had 20 home runs, he had 900 OPS. He just is 27, he's younger. And that's a guy that could set up for a good utility thing. And if he plays well, maybe Holter Culberson both, neither one of them make the team. Because you got to have – somebody's just holding the spot for Young. So that that's the deal. They're going to be more much more expensive for Culberson because of their league minimum that they'll have to make uh, with uh, Holt too. But uh, that's an interesting one for me. And, of course, the first base thing is really interesting. Hey, you know, uh, Nate Lowe has options. I, and there's no way he probably goes to the minor leagues unless he just spits the bit. But he does have options if – if they have to go with Guzman as, as much as he's played. Um, so 
I think I think one of the things um, to talk about, if you're going to win the World Series, you need just you need a uh, Justin Turner. Yeah. Okay. And what I mean by that, I think you guys are shaking or nodding your head, is you need to get lucky on somebody. Yep. You know, you need to you need get in and the Rangers did with Nelson Cruz. We've already talked about that. And the Rangers got lucky with Alexia Gondo. Yep. Okay. Something like that's got to happen. You know, you need to you need to find some guys who come out of nowhere and really help this ball club or help your ball club, a Justin Turner type of guy. You know, we you know I I can bring up some other names, but I'd be going too far back. But they need to get lucky, whether it's a Charlie Culberson or a Nate Lowe or, or um, Brock Holt. Yep. You know, somebody like that, or, or, or like you brought up, John Abanez. You know, to be a good, to be a great team, you also have to, you also have to get lucky. I mean, you have to get like I think you look at the Giants, how they put together that great bullpen over the years. You know, they got they got a little bit lucky too. Every great team has to have a little luck and that's the Rangers are overdue for it. Yeah, that's true. Even back in their world series days, you had players that weren't the superstars, but man, they made major contributions in those two world series runs like Gentry and stuff like that, that uh, Ogando was as obviously one back at the back of that bullpen that would come in and would just came out of nowhere. And boy, he was a stop down too. Uh, getting back to the closer. Um, you guys, either one of you got something. I still got plenty to ask here. Um, do you have uh, have you paid attention to any what newly acquired player do you think would have the biggest impact this year that, that wasn't on the team last year? Well, I mean, you'd like to say I'm going to say David Dahl. I think I think David Dahl will be the best hitter of the guys that they've acquired. I like to say Chris Davis because he's had the the highest past ceiling. Yeah, you, you like to say I kind of like I would say out of that I would like to see David Dahl. Well, I don't. David Dahl, I think, has has a has a decent chance. You know, Brock Holt's kind of an interesting guy. Um, Low, if know, he can get, you know, if Low is what's advertised, um, he's another one. Yeah, Low's there. There's there's some guys there, but you know, I'd say between Dahl and and Low, it's kind of um between the, between those two kids and that catcher and um, the catcher from Oakland, I think, is kind of intriguing too. I, I I'm intrigued by the guy from Oakland. Yeah, Jonah Heim. What? Jonah Heim. Yeah. Um, I don't have everybody's names memorized like I used to. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. At least I got to listen to some ball games here or, or see some people first. But I've heard a lot. I've heard, you know, again, I've heard some good things about the kid um, Heim from o Oakland. I'm kind of intrigued by him. I love, I love Trevino. Um, Jose Trevino is a great kid. He's had some bad luck too. You talk about. Some yeah. guys have run into some buzzard luck. He, he's another one. But um, I think there's going to be some interesting catching um, decisions for the Rangers as we go through spring training. Yeah, there's 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 talk that Heim could win that starting job, uh, that, that, that that's how well thought of he was, and maybe even cause a problem for Trevino down the line, say if Huff stays at catcher and come up, and maybe it's a Heim-Huff but uh, coming up there, I, but everyone loves Trevino. He's great in the locker room. He's great clubhouse. And when, when you're someone that's a reporter like TR, now I'm at it from a different angle, those guys that, that, are, that will give you their time and talk to you, you're always rooting for them and pulling for them. And I know you were a huge Elvis fan. You always, TR, you told me on the first one, Elvis was just one of your favorites. He always gave you the time and what you needed to get a story out. So I know you were, you were uh, that's the one sad thing to you to see him go because he was always good to you. So I wish him luck. I, I think this is a great opportunity for Elvis, and I hope he does well. Eric, did you have a question? 
Yeah, John, thanks. I had to step out briefly, but I was going to ask you, have you guys talked to Chris Young yet? Have we talked to him? Or have, just on the podcast here, have we asked TR about Chris Young? Um, we did talk a little bit. There was a question about what, you know, uh, what he would, you know, would he have better luck in the draft but, uh, than John Daniel? There was a, it was a question from uh, another a fan that did that, and we did talk about him. TR brought up a great point. TR brought up about that what Chris Young's, you know, first of all, in the draft, your GMs, they're, they're depending on the scouting department and the head of, you know, Kip Fag is actually in, in charge of the, the draft. But you're having to depend on those guys. But one thing that TR brought up that was really good was about Chris Young being a, form, you know, a former major league pitcher. When something's yeah. brought up about something in development over a pitcher, that's, a, that's a, someone to listen to when he says, wait a minute, I disagree. We might do that. This is a guy that played in the big leagues for years as a pitcher. That, that's one aspect he's going to bring. Uh, to there into the room. Yeah, you know the the Mets the Mets hired the Mets brought in Sandy Alderson to run their baseball operations, and Dave Dombrowski. Uh, we're, I'm sorry, he's going to uh, what Anaheim? Where Dombrowski go? Dombrowski, I thought. To Philadelphia. Philly. Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. So I mean, these guys have been around league forty years. They have definite ideas. They have tried and true formulas that they know work. You know, they're going to come in there and put those formulas in, in this play, those plans into place. Now, Chris Young is not going to do that. He's not, he, I, I would doubt that Chris Young, I mean, first of all, John Daniels is still the boss. I don't think Chris Young is going to come in with all the answers, all the plans, all the formulas, and really just redo the organization. He's going to bring in two things. He's extremely intelligent. And he is. I know he's got the Princeton Princeton um, college degree. Yep. And but I've talked. We've all talked to him. I, I knew him as a player. I knew I knew him in 2005 when he first came up. I talked to him a little bit. You could tell back then this guy. This guy was very perceptive. In the 2005 season, when the Rangers were struggling, and they were going through some rough times with Kenny Rogers and some of that, you talked to Chris Young. You could tell that he was he was smart beyond his years. Yeah. And I think he'll bring that. I think he'll uh, bring that and he'll bring um, the experience that he has, you know, what, 15 years in the game, something like that. He, he's got a lot of assets. You know, he's got experience as a pitcher. Um, he doesn't have experience as a um, as, as an executive, but he has John Daniels there. And they still have a lot of smart baseball people. I know they've been struggling for the past few years, but a lot of these guys, in the front office, you know, they help put together four division championship teams and two pennant winning teams. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of bright baseball minds still in that organization. And I think Chris Young will be able to tap into that. He'll be able to bring in his own ideas. He'll be, be able to listen to other people's ideas, add into his playing experience. I think it's a good mix. Yeah. Hey, you know, here's one that, that I'll ask you, TR. Is there, is there any player that may not make this team that would shock Ranger fans. Somebody that's probably been on this team that you think there's a chance they may not make this team. I think an obvious one's Guzman, but that uh, that we don't see it out of nowhere. They find someone they think is going to be better. Maybe uh, someone like a Jordan Lyles or on this team that could just shock you that he may not make this team and, and you know, they may have to, to cut bait and let go of this guy. Well, you know, I don't think, you know, Jordan Lyles needs to pitch innings and they can't, and, and that's too valuable to just to throw that out right away and um you know you talked about trevino not making the catcher getting beat out of catcher you know that's a possibility 
you know, talk about Lowe not making the team, you know, that's always, that would be a possibility. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's so locked in I mean, that, that if they don't make the team, it would be a shock Yeah. other than kind of Falefa because they've, you know, oh, they put yeah. so much stock into him being the shortstop and trading Elvis away and wanting Tejada, Tejada to get more playing time in the minor leagues. Right. You know, the answer to your question would be, um, would be kinder, yeah. you know, would, would, would Leody maybe not start the year in center field? You know, if you want to go with David Dahl in center and Calhoun in, in left field, yeah, you know, I think that's a real possibility. Um, there, you know, another guy nobody talks about, and I really like this guy, Eli White. I'm a big too. Eli White fan. I, I really think he was, you asked me who was hurt the most last year. I think Eli White could have had a real breakout year and um, in AAA Oklahoma, or excuse me, Round Rock, or I'm sorry, wherever they were yeah, last they were year. Nash- Nashville. Nashville last year, yeah. Nashville. Um, I think Eli White could have had a really good year in, in Nashville or just the start of the year and been up. Um, you know, once Santana went down like he did, which was very unfortunate, and they kind of had to force Leote in there. Yeah. You know, Eli, I guess, I guess if I remember right, he was hurt. Yeah. And going through some tough times at the start of the season back in July. But Eli was ahead of Leote yeah. in, in the depth chart, in the pecking order, whatever cliche you want to use. And he, and, and he had some setbacks. And then when, he gave, when, then, then when he showed up, he had some really tough luck. And I know everybody says, well, oh, yeah, I was hitting the ball, but right at people. But Eli had some tough breaks. I really like Eli White. I think this guy has a chance to be something special. You know, he was an infielder and he was an outfielder and, and everybody talked about a utility player, which I hate. I hate that. You know, I don't want to, you know, quit trying to make people utility players. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to make a player a utility player, that's what he's going to be. You know, you win with frontline players, you know, just let the, give the guy a position, see how he does. And if he, and if he falls by the wayside, okay, we'll try utility. Same thing with a starting pitcher, you know, Oh, he might be better off in the bullpen. Who cares? You can get a, you can get, if you can't find a bullpen, if you can't put a bullpen together, then you're not trying. Okay. You're not trying. Yeah. But you need starting pitching. So if you got guys like Joe Palumbo or Colby Allard or somebody like that, or Kyle Cody, or, you know, I don't want to hear about, Oh, we might put him in the bullpen. Now with Jonathan Hernandez, they had to do it because Jonathan Hernandez was not going to be a starter. Right. He wasn't. Okay. Yeah. They give it a chance to start. And he proved that he couldn't do it. Yep. And he, just, it. He, did, he didn't have the durability. He just did not have the wherewithal to pitch three or four or five, six innings. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a three inning guy. That's what he's shown. And he's fabulous. Okay. That's your guy. Yep. Okay. We, we know that. But, but anyway, my point is, you know, with Eli White, I got off on this. I got sidetracked. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but Eli White, people said, well, this guy could be a utility guy. Cause we already got guys in front of them. We already got guys in front of them. Okay. Well, no, you don't. Okay. Cause the guy in front of him wasn't any good. Okay. Right. You know, you know, everybody says, well, we got all these catchers. You know, I remember a few years ago, everybody thought the Rangers were loaded with catchers and, and, and they ended up having to move kind of Falefa to catcher. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think Eli White, if they just leave him in one position, I think he's going to be a fabulous defensive center fielder. I think he already is. And I think the bat will come, you know, just a matter of, you know, did the did the layoff hurt him? How much was he set back by the layoff? I mean, 
how much has his development been set back? But uh, Eli White's a guy. I, I think I can see Eli White coming in and, and taking Leody out of center field. Let me tell you what, and guys, they have said this. The best athlete on the team is is Eli White, and the fastest guy on the team is Eli White. I've heard that over and over for two years now, that that is the fastest guy and the most athletic guy on the team is Eli White. But, yeah, like TR said, they've got their prospects that sit there and do that. That's interesting. Eli, because I've heard that, TR. I've heard all about how he's the best athlete. He's not as fast as Craig Gentry. Craig Gentry, I think, is the fastest Ranger I've ever seen, believe it or not. Hulse was fast. Who? Hulse, David Hulse. No, Hulse, Hulse, Hulse. Logan, Logan, what do you got? There were a couple of things in there, TR, that really stood out to me. It's number one, you mentioned earlier how the Rangers are overdue to get lucky and have a, a breakthrough guy. It sounds like Eli White could be the guy in the time when the Rangers get lucky with a guy. And second, you mentioned utility. And as more and more teams in this league possess flexible rosters uh, with their position players, I look at the Rangers and I go through the lineup and there are a lot of guys that play multiple positions. They're, they're quite flexible. Do you think that's an advantage the Rangers can say they have, or you're not on that boat at all with the flexibility and the utility, almost like the Tampa Bay Rays model, I, I'd guess, but you're not with that at all, eh? No, I want, I, I want players developed into frontline players. You know, I don't want utility players. You can find utility players. The Rangers had no trouble finding utility players when they went to the World Series. I mean, they got Andres Blanco. You know, you can get those guys. They're a dime a dozen. You, if you got a if you got a talented player, you need to put him in one. To me, you put him in one position. I don't want to hear about Josh Young playing first base or, or left field or any of this other. Put him at third base. That, that's his spot, and and let him develop there. You know, and I've talked to some, and and there are people. And, you know, obviously some people think I'm I'm wrong, but there are people who think I'm right. That yeah, if you keep putting a guy at multiple positions, you're going to end up with a utility infielder. And, and that and you know the kid. Um, I'm oh Ben Zobrist. And Chone Figgins, you know, those guys, those guys were extremely valuable players. I mean, those, there's no doubt that a great utility player, I mean, Michael Young basically was a utility player in, for, for uh, two years in Texas. There's no doubt those are extremely valuable players, but they're, but you want, you got to have frontline players too. You got to have, you know, stars. You got to have Adrian Beltre. You got to have Ian Kinsler. You got to have Josh Hamilton. You got to have Nelson Cruz. You got to have those guys. Yeah. Um, those are the guys that you end up you end up being the guys that carry to a, a, a championship. Yeah, you got to have and defense matters. I don't care what anyone says. Look, you've got to hit. Don't get me wrong. You got to score runs, but defense is so. And so you can have a guy that's a good player at every position, or do you got a guy that's a great defender at one position? That's what it, it can mean a lot. You know what I'm saying? And so Isaiah Isaiah Connor Felipe is one of the most talented defenders on that team. They left him at third base, and I kind of like that they said, you're the shortstop. So he's not moving around the infield anymore. He's playing shortstop. He is an elite defender, and he was better than Elvis last year on defense. He just was. Not because anything to take away from Elvis. Elvis just getting older. He's not quite as got quite the range he did. Elvis is still a great shortstop, but Isaiah is just more talented right now. Uh, at defense. He's young. He's young. He's got his feet under him the way Elvis did. Well, here's the, here's the point. Here's the point there. You got Isaiah kind of falafa. In the minor leagues, you like the players, the good players coming up, and you think, well, you're not going to get to the big leagues playing, playing shortstop for the Texas Rangers because we have Elvis Andrews. Right. You're not going to 
make it to the big leagues at second base because we got Rugnet Odor for the next 10 years or whatever they signed him for. Now we got Adrian Beltre at third base, okay? You know, we don't have a spot for you, okay? So we're going to put you a catcher, okay? How would you like to play catcher and see if you can make it to the major leagues as a catcher? Well, you put it to the kid like that, the kid's going to say, okay, sure, fine, whatever. But now, you know, you need three. Now, you know, Odor is, is we all know about Odor. I mean, he's not the player that they th hoped he would be. You know, there's a spot for Kiner Falefa now that, that Nick Solak has taken, but that could have been Kiner Falefa if you just left him out there. Yeah. Or he could have been playing third base right now after Beltre retired. So my, my, my point is it didn't look like Kiner Falefa would be – would have a spot in the big leagues. Well, yeah, yeah, we found a spot for him in the big leagues, okay? We found a spot yeah. for him in the big leagues. Yeah, so, um, okay, so let's, did you have another one, Logan? Did you have another question? We're good, we're good. You're, we're Thank good? You, okay, let's no, keep coming. I'm not going anywhere. I don't, I don't have anywhere to go. I'm retired. I can sit here all night. <laughs> let's go to another question over here. So, um, you know what? I wanted to ask you this. For, are you going to go to some Frisco games this year? I saw you out at one a couple of years ago. Are you going to uh, try to get up there and catch some games? Yeah, I live, as you well know, well, you guys know, I live 10 minutes away. Yeah, I'm going to go to Frisco. I've already talked to some of the people up there. Yeah, I want to go up there. Yes, yeah. I definitely want. I definitely will be at Frisco games. Well, you probably knew uh, Victor pretty well. I've talked to Victor. He's already been on the show. And since he took over as GM out there, uh, Victor Rojas, who used to be the Rangers play-by-play for the radio. He worked with Nadell. Him and Nadell uh, did it for the radio. But uh, it's good to have him back. He came on. He, it was fun doing a show with, with Victor. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get up there. They're going to have some talent. Some of these guys we've been talking about, they're going to be at Frisco. So if you're in the Metroplex at all, that's going to be a good team to watch. They're going to have some of these young guys we've been talking about are going to be at Frisco. Um, so that'll, that'll be fun to ride. Um, Okay, so we're getting down to the end of this. Hey, you know, TR, have you had, do you still go out and catch? I know you used to cover high school football. Did you go out to any – this year it was a little different, so maybe not. But uh, you're still going to try to get out and catch some games. You're going to have this free time now. I know you like all kinds of sports, but you're going to get out and catch some high school games? Uh, my my grandnephew is a young man by the name of Zach Coyer. He pitches for uh, Nolan. So on Saturday afternoon I went out to Weatherford and they're having a big tournament out there, and it was Weatherford, or excuse me, Nolan playing Dallas Jesuit. Oh my gosh! And um, Jordan Lawler was playing shortstop for um, Dallas Jesuit, so I got to saw, see him play. And my um, grandnephew pitched against Jordan Lawler. How did he do? And uh, and since you guys asked me, uh, Lawler was zero for two with a walk. Um, <laughs> you know, he 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 lined out the left field, but but um. You know, the guy, the guy's obviously a talent. I'll tell you a story. So we're out there. Um, I don't know. You guys have probably never been to Weatherford, but it's a high school baseball field. It's a nice baseball field. It's really nice. But down the left field line, they got the bullpen, and then they got the tool shed. They, I, I wasn't really out there, but I think they got, like, the field house there or something. But they got a lot of stuff out there. They got a lot of stuff out there, whether it's, <laughs> you know, equipment or something like that. So about the fifth inning, one of the Nolan kids hits this high pop-up deep down the left field line and it fades foul well this kid lawler i mean this is very athletic this guy goes racing 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 and the next thing you know he's disappeared into this junk pile going after this foul ball and we, and we hear metal on metal 
and there's obviously a crash and this young man it, it, he's out of our he's out of our sight he's out of our sight but we're sitting there one mississippi two mississippi 50 mississippi 100 mississippi where is this kid so finally he he, he comes jogging out of there but apparently he had hit a metal chair and uh and it crashed over it but it was a foul ball i mean the, the ball was even out of play i think it was out of play so i was i was sitting up in the, in the stands talking to some parents i'm saying yeah if that's my kid i take him home tonight and say son you got seven million dollars waiting for you at the end of the rainbow you don't need to be chasing any foul balls into tool sheds <laughs> yeah lawler because if for those that don't know that are listening on the podcast uh, lawler is one of the players that Texas is associated with at the number two pick. Leiter, everybody's talking about uh, Leiter, the, uh, Al Leiter's kid that's pitching for uh, for um, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt right now. Yeah, and he looks amazing. But, again, he's he's not really – they're not in the SEC play yet. Uh, but it, his stuff is pretty awesome going on there. But Lawler, you said he's athletic. Um, I, I know the head coach for uh, Jesuits, a, a buddy of mine I played ball with when I was a kid. Uh, his name's Brian Jones, and uh, he was athletic too, but he's he's got some talent that's come out of there. Uh, you know, um, are you going to write a book? You've got so many stories to tell. You ever thought about that? I don't know. i got to get my teeth fixed. I'm trying to get my teeth fixed, John. <laughs> i got to get my teeth fixed. We're going to have to pay for those teeth. You haven't had anybody approach you yet about you know, You know, it's funny. You know what Buck Showalter once told me was, you know, when they got these – um. You know, he was with the, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, he ran the whole show there. Yeah. And the Diamondbacks would go down to uh, the Dominican Republic and all that and, and sign all these players. He said the first thing we had to do was get these players' teeth fixed. Oh, I can imagine. These players would come out of the Dominican Republic with bad teeth, and they were so skinny. And the reason why they were so skinny, Logan, Eric, was because they didn't eat because their teeth hurt. So they would get they would get their these kids teeth fixed and then they would start eating and filling out into you know good looking ball players but that was a big problem back then i and probably still is that these kids come out of the dominican republic with bad teeth and that's why they're so skinny and uh, you know not filled out as players other than the fact that they sign them at you know five years old but um <laughs> but buck, yeah buck showalter used to tell me yeah the first thing you got to do with the uh, latin american players is get their teeth fixed you know, um, and Eric, I'll come to you in just a second. The Rangers built a really nice facility down there in in uh, in South America. Did you ever go down and check that out? Who me? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was down there uh, last, not this November, but the previous November or October, right after the season. We went down there on a, on a private jet when they opened that thing up. Uh, Evan and Jeff Wilson and I and uh, Levi and uh, I think we were the only four. I can't remember. Something. We went down. Yeah, we did a. Went down to Santa Domingo. We had dinner in old Santo Domingo and um, oh, wow. saw the Caribbean. And yeah, it was really, oh, that's facility. Yeah, I, I'll tell you that well, the Rangers ownership, I'll tell you this, they've, the um, the uh, youth ballpark, the youth academy in West Dallas, first class, totally first class. Um, the, the academy in Santo D Domingo, first class, great, great, great facility. And then the, I don't know if you've been there, John, but the, the Rangers opened up what they call Ranger Village. And it's kind of like a big hotel combination. It's almost like an Olympic village, mini Olympic village, but they have training facilities there. They have rooms for all their minor league players. It's kind of like a big hotel with a, 
with in, another building there for advanced training in Arizona right across what in Arizona you're talking about in Arizona that's right across the street from the from the um, from the complex yeah that's a fabulous site yeah and I saw our, it last year yeah and then the um complex itself the, the spring training complex is still one of the best in baseball it's nice so, so I'll tell you the Rangers ownership I know fans want them to buy this player and buy that player and I, and I get that but I'm telling you what they've they've spent a lot of a lot of money in giving the Rangers some first class facilities beyond beyond Globe Life Field. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to look at Globe Life Field and say, oh, wow, great. You know, this is fabulous. But right. if you look at those other four places, they've done an absolutely fabulous job. Yeah, there, there's a time to spend money, and now is not the time to spend. You've got to see what you have before you go spend the money. That's how you have to do it. Uh, people don't want to hear that, you know, when they lost out on Rendon last year. Everybody threw a big fit over that, and 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 I was like, look, you know, they missed out. And then after what happened last year, no, they're not going to be free agent players this year. They're not going to. Eric, you had another question before we get out of here. Yeah, no, John, and I'm totally with you. I, I feel like I get tired sometimes defending JD on Twitter because everybody's always coming at me with that, but what can you do? Um, TR, I have a sort of a subjective question for you, but you, you got to settle some friendly banter, and there's no better person to ask for you being a beat writer for 30-plus years. But who's the, who's the, the greatest to ever come through Arlington? Would it, and John, feel free to chime in here too. What do you guys think? The greatest player? Mm-hmm. Well, the greatest Ranger, number one Ranger of all time would be Yvonne Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, he's not over Beltran. Oh yeah. Over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. If I was going to start a team and I, oh, I, oh, Pudge. Yes, definitely. I mean, I love Juan. Um, Hamilton was great. I, you know, I know this sounds strange, but I don't count Alex Rodriguez. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, it's almost like Alex didn't even play here. I mean, yeah. you know, I sit down there and, you know, I do lists of, you know, who's the greatest player, who's the greatest shorts. You know, it's like, you know, well, Alex Rodriguez did this is like, well, they finished last place. Yeah. He admitted he did steroids. You know I mean? It's like, was Alex even here? <laughs> it's like, it was like, a, it was like a bad dream. And I like Alex Rodriguez, Alex. And I've been friendly over the, I'm not gonna say he's a friend of mine, but we've been friendly. He's been, he and I enjoyed, I enjoyed talking to Alex. I enjoyed dealing with Alex Rodriguez. It was almost like, and it's not a reflection on him, but it's almost like he was a bad, it was a bad dream. It was, wow. like, it was like a bad dream. We woke up and he's gone. That's interesting. We're saying, I mean, they won three division titles before he got here. He was here. Poof, he's gone. They rebuilt into two World Series and, you know, they struck him out to get to one of them. Yeah. So it's, it's really weird. So the answer to your question is Yvonne Rodriguez. Why, who do you guys think? Well, you know, that's interesting. If you're going to go with who they developed – uh, as somebody that they've developed into it, it there's not even a question that it, it's it's Pudge. He, he they they signed him. Actually, they found him when they were looking at Juan Gonzalez. He was just the little catcher that threw 80 miles an hour down to second base, and and they came running in, going, "Did you see that?" And they signed him. So, and one of the great, he's been so friendly every time I've ever met him and talked to him. That always helps uh, in, in that situation uh, when when they do that. Um, I think if you look at my overall look, I've been following the Rangers and going to Ranger games since I was a kid. And, uh, and for me personally, I mean, you, you have to look back. Jeff Burroughs was amazing when I was going to games as a kid. Mike Hargrove was one of my favorites. Uh, you got to look at some of uh, uh, Jim Sumberg, another catcher that was so good. 
Beltre, one of by far the fan favorites. I never actually got to meet Beltre. Uh, Tr did. I, I came into the press box after Beltre was already retired, and uh, but uh, you know, golly, I think if you look overall, I think Nolan is somebody they say, but Nolan was at the back end of his career. I mean, he wasn't. He know, pitched great. No, Nolan pitched great here. He did. Nolan, 300 Nolan, strikeouts one year, yeah. Nolan Ryan, he got hurt a lot. The problem was he got hurt a lot. Yeah. But um, but he pitched well. Logan, Eric, all right, who, who do you guys think? Give us your opinion. Logan, Eric, come on. Logan, I'll let you go first, man. Well, it's funny because you almost have to quantify, do they count as an all-time Ranger, can they be in this discussion? A-Rod, clearly not, right? We can't say that for A-Rod. Right. Um, Nolan Ryan was at the back half of his career. He was fantastic. But can we say he's the great? To me, Pudge stood out right away. And um, I understand there's a lot of guys. I don't think there's a definitive one, though, right? I, I feel like it's a debate that you can have. And I think the Rangers are, are unique in that sense. And I'm not just talking baseball. I'm talking all sports. Um, I think they're in a unique category because there's a lot of names you can throw out there. But Pudge stood out to me first. Yeah, I, I go Pudge also. I, I think it's really interesting, though, if you look at like, a, I don't know, of course, you can't do this with this question, but a small sample size, Josh Hamilton. I mean, the MVP season that he had was just I've never seen anything like that. Um, but if you extend it, I mean, the, the greatest and who sustained that level of, of success um uh, Beltre was my favorite John like I mean he was the ultimate like fan favorite but I mean I love Pudge also but I think Pudge is the answer also TR I think you're I think you're spot on here's 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 my final point on this in my opinion and I've studied this Yvonne Rodriguez is one of is one of the three best catchers in baseball yep Roy Campanella Johnny Bench Yvonne Rodriguez Yogi Bear is not in that group Yogi Bear is not in that group Yogi Bear was not the defensive catcher those other Three guys were, Fisk. you know, you, you hear all the other guys you hear about Mickey Cochran you know, going back or Mike Piazza, Carlton Fisk, whoever you want, or whoever's there now, Yadier Molina, who, who's good. Yeah, but pretty good. No offense, defense, the whole package. There was only three of them. I mean, Bear was a great hitter, but he was not, he was not, don't let anybody ever tell you that Yogi Bear was a great defensive catcher. He wasn't, he was a good catcher. He did a good job. He, he got better, but he was never in Pudge's league. Um, Bench, Campanella, Pudge Rodriguez, those are the three best catchers. So if you got one guy from your organization, he's one of the three best at his position. Yeah. Settles it for me. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. And and Eric, to your point, Josh Hamilton may have been the most athletic, pure specimen that played for the Texas Rangers. Of course, everyone knows the off-field things and the, what derailed him. He was one of the most just unbelievably – raw, talented, five-tool guys ever. But you can't put him in a category because he wasn't one of the best three outfielders to ever play the game or something to that effect. Had he had a full career, he would have never been here. He would have played for Tampa. Well, Tampa would have let him go as free agent year. Let's be honest. They'd have traded him away. But uh, he was one of the most athletic people I've ever seen play in Texas as a Texas Ranger fan since 74 uh, coming up and watching him. But, yeah, Pudge uh, – TR, you put the you put the cherry on top. He's one of the three best catchers that ever played in the game of baseball, and he was with your team for most of his career. Won multiple Gold Gloves for you doing that. <laughs> he was on teams that made the playoffs, um, the first playoff team ever in 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 Ranger history, and he was the catcher and a, a big and not a guy that caught and batted seventh or eighth. He was at the top of the lineup too, uh, playing. He was in the middle of the lineup. So, um, guys. I'll tell you, 
two 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 guys that had very special seasons. Juan Gonzalez in '96, the year the Rangers won their first division title. He was unbelievable that year. He was unbelievable. And then '89, Ruben Sierra Ooh. for one year. I mean, that was that was when Ruben put it all together. Ruben Sierra at '89 was unbelievable to watch. I mean, he wasn't a great defensive player. But he was he, he but he was a great athlete and he was a great offensive player. My favorite my favorite memory of Ruben Sierra will always be that he would just hit a little line drive over shortstop. I mean, you could even see the shortstop leap up and try to catch it. It's over his glove, goes out into left center field, and Ruben just busted it into second base for a double. I yeah. love it. That was his that was his signature play before he got too bulky and all that stuff. Was just that line drive over the second baseman over the shortstop, and then he would just bust it into second base for a double. Yeah, he was he was the first. So when you're when you're growing up, I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm older than you, Eric and Logan. I guarantee you, you look like you could be my kid. Um, g- growing up as a Ranger fan that way, when we didn't, when the Rangers were bad early, and Tr was covering them back then before they got to 95, 96, 97, and started to make it. I mean, the only thing you could do there was no internet to go look at your prospects coming up. So you had to read about them or get a baseball weekly or try to figure it out. TR knew more than me because he was talking to him. That was the first name I remember that there's this kid. Well, Sammy Sosa was one. But there was a kid named, you know, Ruben Sierra that was coming up. And that rookie year he came up and, and watching him, uh, that, that that was kind of the only way you knew that coming up. And Sierra did have a special year in 89. Boy, he was. And won the MVP. Uh, and just amazing uh, switch hitter. In fact, he wasn't a switch hitter when he first signed with the Rangers. They turned him into one, but they just saw the athleticism there. Uh, you rolled your eyes. Was there something there, Tr? On that? Yeah, I'm not a big. You know, it worked out great. I'm not a big fan of guys being turned into switch hitters being either. Tu- um, being turned into them. Uh, yeah, there was. I've heard some bad things about that kind of experiment. So, um, but it worked out for Ruben. So may I guess it worked out for Ruben? Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Who knows? I don't know. Now, are you a fan of, I mean, if you're thinking of switch hitters, uh, I mean, the greatest one, obviously, Mickey, I'm assuming. Mickey Mantle was the best. Well, his dad, his, yeah, if your dad gets you at five years old and, and turns you into a switch hitter, that's one thing. Yeah. And I don't know when Mark, I'm just talking about when guys, you know, get into the minor leagues and they, and they got talent and all of a sudden everybody says, well, let's make him a switch hitter. Well, how do you know it can't be a great right-handed hitter? Tejada, that's the one they're doing now. So Tejada was one that all of a sudden they've tried to turn him into a switch hitter. And who's look, he's a talent for sure coming up, Anderson Tejada. But uh, that that falls into your category right there, TR. They all of a sudden two years ago decided they were going to make him a, a switch hitter. Well, guys, we've kept him over an hour and 15 minutes. Um, if you don't have anything else, I think, uh, TR, thank you so much for doing this. Eric, Logan, for those of you that sent in your questions, this was a fantastic. Glad, guys, I, I appreciate you coming on. It was a great time. My brother joined us here at the last minute, and he just wanted to listen to part of it. Uh, that's who jumped on there at the bottom, if you see his name, Kevin Moore there. Guys, it's been a blast. Thanks for coming. For every one of these that I uh, do and for everything that I write, I end it one way, and I say it. Nerd out. Nerd out.